Well, today we're going to start a mini-series that uh, will take us through this time of praying and fasting. We're still in the study of the book of Acts. We're going to pick that back up later in the month. But, you know, every year during this lead up to the end of the year, I always go into a, a, a season of reflection of one looking back saying, God, what did you do? What, what do we see around us? And we encourage you to do that in our messages toward the end of the year. I hope you did. But also, God, what are you, what are you doing forward? God, what is, what is it you're wanting us to be? And as I pray through that, I'm always looking for God to give me a, it sounds trite to say a word because we use that in so many different contexts in, in the Christian faith. But really to give me a word, God, what is it you want us to focus on, Lord, to kick this year off, to, to get engaged in, and to, and to understand what, what it is you are doing in us? And uh, as I was praying through that and, and kind of reflecting through the year, I, I kind of locked in on this, you know, this concept that you hear way too much about, you know, last year, year before, uh, we're calling it multiple things, the great the great resignation or the great realignment or the great reassessment, whatever you want to call it. But there's truth in that, that we've all been in a period of reassessing life. We've all been in a period of reassessing life and trying to find the foundations, those places where we put our feet and say, God, that's where I stand. That's the, that's the base, God. That's the foundation for my life. And it's, and it's showing up in so many ways. Uh, we're, we're asking questions like, do I, do I want to work for? Uh, I had in my notes, do I want to go to work for? But very few are going to work anymore, except from your bedroom to your like, desk. But uh, do I want to work for this company? Or do I want to work at all? Which biblically says you pretty ought, ought to be working anyway, but uh, it's called bearing fruit. Um, do I want to be known for this or do I want to be known for that? We're, we're reassessing, we're realigning. Do I want to belong to or do I not want to belong to? And that's even crept into followers of Christ where we're seeing a lot of reassessing and realigning and it seems to be focused around this thought, do I need to be part of the local body of Christ? And the answer to that is that's just not our idea. That's biblical. That back into the Bible <laughs> engagement program again, because when you read the Word of God, it changes everything. Uh, but, but do I want to be part of the body of Christ or even a particular body of Christ? And I'm not talking about those that for health reasons are still not able to engage, because that's, that's many. In fact, looking around this morning, it, it's a lot of us uh, right now. But in this reassessment, and here's what I want you to hear. In this reassessment, here's what gripped my heart. And that is a lot of people have chosen or allowed fear to choose for them, to drive them down a course of choices that have effectively uprooted them from where God chose to plant them, both in location, both in habit, and in process. And as I prayed through that, that word rooted became very strong to me. What does it mean to be rooted? What does it mean to be deep-seated where, where our, our roots go down so that we may grow up? And my prayer for this season and this series is out of Ephesians 3.16. It's that I, I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Boy, doesn't verse 19 sound good? That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. How do you do that? Well, the Word of God teaches the concept of being rooted and established. 
rooted and established in his love. Notice that that word established is tied to rooted. If, if you think about it in the plant world, and I, I'm not a green thumb, I, I'm, I'm not at all. It seems like everything I plant lately, the deer eat anyway out in my yard. But, uh, but, I, but I'm, I know what it means to see a plant get rooted because it won't produce fruit unless the roots go down and get into the nutrients and all the things they need to grow. You know, it's an understanding that, that we grow up when we put our roots down. If our, if our roots are not deep in where God plants us, then we, we get into this stagnant period. We may look good, but yet our, our lives are not bearing the fruit that God wants us to bear. Because spiritually, just like physically, growing up starts with settling down, settling in, and allowing the roots to grow beneath the surface and allow them to do their work so that ultimately fruit is produced that brings glory and honor to God. You see, settling down... Is about planting yourself in a place or a process where your roots can go deep. And there's great, great benefits according to God's word when we do that. I fear, and use this word carefully in a biblical way, I fear we become a very uprooted generation, not, not just uprooted from place. I think there's something good about reassessment and realignment, but particularly to process, habits, disciplines, what it means to be a disciple of, of putting your faith and hope in the things that are proven, those ancient paths that God has shown us that are there to build us up that we may be rooted and established in God's love. I mean, look at some of the benefits that come when we are rooted. Psalm 1, 1 through 6 says this. It's a, I've been reading the Psalms as my devotion the last year and just love spending time in that. But in Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Verse 6, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. We see these benefits of this picture of this tree planted by the, by the rivers of water, its roots going deep, its roots going out so that it can gain all that it is supposed to have to bear fruit. And in it, we see that the people who are rooted are, are blessed, according to verse 1. They are surrounded by good influences, it says, according to verse 1. We don't, we don't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. I'm going to go back in my, my ancient of days, youth pastor days, when I used to say that you, can, you are the sum of the top five people in your life. That, that, that those that are around you, those that speak into you, those that care for you, can I tell you, shape your life more than you even know. We are surrounded by good influences. According to verse 3, rooted people are fruitful. They bear fruit in season. They are strong when the winds blow. They, they, they're not taken out by that. The word says they are prosperous, according to verse 3. And I love verse 6. They are watched over by God. Aren't you thankful our God is watching over your life? When you root your life in Him, when you go deep down to that place where saying, I'm anchoring my life in Christ, we are watched over by our God. Jeremiah the prophet picked up on this theme in Jeremiah 17, verse 8. Speaking again of those who have been planted, those that are rooted, he said, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Think about that. Those that are rooted are courageous. 
They're not afraid when the, when the heat comes. There's no fear there. They're full of life, it says. They, they are always, the leaves are green. They are peaceful because they don't have worries in the year of drought, and they never fail to bear fruit, even in the bad times. Can I tell you, we, we look around us, and there are people around us, and maybe you're one of them, and you say, that's who they are. Because no matter what happens in their life, they keep bearing the fruit. They keep moving forward. They keep loving God and loving the things God loves. Why? Because they're rooted. Now, obviously, a lot of good things happen in our lives when we're rooted. But most of them can be summed up in one word, and that is growth. We just grow. When we grow up, when we put our roots down, when we recognize that God's desire for our life is not to get us saved and get us to heaven, and that's it. It is a progressive walk on this earth where we are reflecting his love. We are engaging in his purpose. We are established in him, and we are blessing and being blessed. And the only way that happens is when we put our roots down according to God's word. Now, what I want to focus on is in a, is in a parable that Jesus told because I want to make a distinction today that I think is very critical, and that is this. There's a big difference between being planted and being rooted. There's a big difference between being planted and being rooted. In Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to kind of wrap our time up here. In, in, in Mark chapter 4, we're, we see the familiar parable of, of the parable of the soils. Maybe you have heard it called the parable of the sower or the parable of the seed, but really it's the parable of the soils. Because in this parable, it's obvious that the sower is God. The seed is God's word, but the, but the key factor is the soil of, of what's happening there to, to allow seeds to get planted, but also to allow them to get rooted. Now, a parable is interesting. I, I, I enjoy parables. They're, they're fun to read. Sometimes they make you scratch your head a little bit because a parable always starts off as a picture, right? It starts off as a picture that's familiar to the listeners. And, uh, and, and as, we, as we study it, as we get into it, that picture turns and all of a sudden it becomes a mirror. And now all of a sudden you start seeing yourself in the story. Can I tell you, sometimes we don't like to see ourselves in the story, do we? Sometimes we don't like to see ourselves in the mirror, much less the story. But when we see ourselves, what happens is the reality of our lives get exposed. And when they get exposed, what happens is we either go toward God or we get angry at the, at the picture. And that's why some people were so mad after the parables of Jesus, they even tried to kill him. But if we see ourselves as people who desperately are in need of God, a parable becomes a window that we look through and we see the grace of God working in our lives. Today, I pray God's grace is evident in this teaching. Verse 3 of chapter 4 says, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. They weren't rooted. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. He was, he was painting the picture. It was an agrarian society. They could understand the, the throwing out the seed, the scattering of the seed. But his disciples, as they began to see this thing flip around to a mirror to them, they were confused with it. And they asked him in verse 10, they said, uh, what's the deal with this story? And he's told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. What he was saying was this. He says, the kingdom of God is there. We're making it known. 
We're, we're putting it out there as a picture for people to get a hold of, but you got to want to get a hold of it. you got to want to take hold of it. Can I tell you, as a, as a pastor sometimes, I, I hear this taught erroneously in leadership conversations. Pastor, you're responsible for the spiritual growth of your people. No, I'm not. You are. I lay the table out. I put the word on and I pray. I grieve. I go into all those places. But I tell you, the kingdom of God does not come upon you like through, through osmosis. You've got to grab hold of it. And when we grab hold of it, it begins to take effect in every one of us. Jesus could have done a lot of easier teaching if he wanted to. He could have just said, hey, who wants to go to heaven? Love me. There you go. Follow me. We're good. But no, he taught deep truths about the kingdom of God because when we get a hold of the kingdom of God, what seems to be a mystery becomes a reality in us. And not only do we want it, we want it more because it produces fruit in our lives that bring to that place where we're rooted and established in his love. So look at this parable with me. And I call this lessons from the dirt. Soil number one, verse 15. Some people are like seed along the path where the word of God is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes, takes away the word that was sown in them. You see, the, the picture here is, is, that, is that hard place. Maybe you've hiked recently or, or you've been part of the hiking crew around here. And, and you know everybody walks on that path. So much of that ground gets hard, right? The, there's no weeds, there's no grass, and it's just dirt. And he says, he said, this first soil is, is that hard place, and the seed is thrown on that, and it represents the hardness that can form in our souls and our spirits because of the culture we're in and because of our beliefs. It represents a, a, hardened, a hardness that, that hardens the heart against the truth of God's Word. And can I honestly tell you, we've all been there at different places because pain has a way of doing that, and we all experience pain in life. You, you, may, you may be at a place where, where you're, you're wanting to go forward with God, but there's a cynicism that's developed in you. I'm just not so sure about the Word. I'm not so sure about church. I'm not so sure about Christians. And it's a cynicism that forms, and what it's doing is it's creating this hard place, and no matter how much seed the sower throws at you, it's just laying there on top, never going down. And it says Satan, like a bird, comes and snatches that seed because it cannot penetrate the hardness of its path. Now, we get Satan all wrong. One, we give him way too much credit and way too much power. But can I tell you, Satan's not sitting out in the parking lot with like a red, a red suit with a pitchfork with horns. No, no, he is the angel of light, the word says. And his, his pathway is through deception. His pathway is through distraction. And, and he begins to put things into our minds and hearts, even in moments like this where he says, you don't need this. You know, that, that Christianity stuff, that's for the weak. They need a crutch to get through life. And, and he just begins to sow those doubts because he wants that place in your heart to be so hard and the seed just bounces off of it. And because it's not able to go in, he's able to snatch it away and it bears no fruit in you. You see, when we see ourselves that way and, we, and, the, and the story becomes a mirror and we recognize that maybe we've grown hard to God's word, Maybe we've grown cynical about the church. Maybe we've grown cynical about the very things God ordered. The only way it's going to change is to allow God to do a work in your heart. It's allowing God to till up that soil, to come in and, and do what it takes to break it up, to do it again for, so that now the seed can go in there and bear fruit. I, I put it this way. You have to come to a place where you're done with you and you're ready for God to break those hard places in your life so that his seed can penetrate and the light and the light of gospel can come alive in you. You see, the seed can enter. So the lesson here in the, in the soul number one is this. God's work in our lives depends on our openness to him, our openness to his word. I'm afraid we can chase philosophies more than we can chase God's word sometimes. 
We, we, we need to be people who constantly feed on God's word. We need to be people that allow it to get in our heart. But our prayer needs to be this. God, let me not grow so hard. Here's where I was praying this week on this. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm open to your word. But I had to come to it before God and say, God, forgive me my arrogance. That sometimes I feel like I know your word so much, I just don't let it penetrate. I, I get to a passage you want to speak to me on, and I just kind of skim through it because I've read it so many times. Forgive me. And Lord, let me go back to that heart that just says, God, I want the seed to come in. And I want my life to be changed. You see, the first soil is that place that was hard. Here's the second one. It's in verse 16. It said, others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So here we see change. We see growth. We see fruit. But, but... When adversity hits, that fruit withers. Why? Because the soul is shallow, the heart has not, has not sunk deep roots into it, and it's laying there really close to the surface, and it has no chance of lasting, bearing fruit. It, it, to me, is that picture of, of Christian faith that is based on all the wrong things. You know, it's that, it's that I've come to faith because of my wife or my husband, or I, I, I've accepted uh, that I'm going to start reading the Word of God because my pastor told me to, or, or your faith is based on a church experience. I appreciate what David said this morning. That if, if your faith is based on where your emotions take you, can I tell you, you're living in a shallow faith because your emotions will fail you. It's not, it's, not about, uh, it's not about an experience or a feeling. It's, it's, a, it's a depth of understanding there is truth that God has for us, and we're going to pursue that with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might. Why? Because if not, as soon as something changes, the job that you love goes away, or you run into old friends that had bad habits that you did too, or when sickness hits, or God forbid someone offends you in church, people, we wither. Boy, it got kind of quiet there. Guys, listen. If we're not careful, we become that person that everyone says, whatever happened to them? Whatever happened to so-and-so? Oh, they withered. Why'd they wither? Because everything was based about conditions being perfect. And when conditions were not perfect, they uprooted. And when they uprooted, they withered according to God's word. So the lesson here about this is simply this. God's work in our life has to be a personal commitment, and I'm going to add to that, to lordship, to lordship of Jesus Christ. Listen, a lot of culture pushes us this way in the church today, and that is, if not careful, we will follow God solely for a better outcome here on earth. But we don't want lordship. God, I'll follow you as long as I'm healthy, as long as I'm prosperous, as long as I've, I've got the great place and the great family and all that, but it's all here. But instead of submitting to lordship, in other words, pursuing a better life here, but not lordship in our hearts. Let me give you a silly example. How many like silly examples? I think one of the silliest examples this time of the year is how many diet books get purchased between now and the next week or so, right? Because we've all overeaten, we've all overdone it, and now we're like, oh, got to lose some weight. And the example would be like this. It'd be like someone saying, you know, Pastor, I really, I really want to lose weight, so I bought this great diet book. In fact, I read it every day. It's amazing. And I'm looking at them after about a month. I'm like, they're not losing any weight. And I say, do you really read that book every day? Oh, yeah, I do. Well, let me ask you, if you stop, you know, change your, your diet a little bit? Oh, no, that, 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 doesn't, uh, nah, that doesn't work. Okay, well, then let me ask you another question. Maybe it's just me, but let me ask a simple question. That is, are you exercising? 
I know the book says to do that, but you know what? It makes me tired. My face gets kind of red. I break out with sweat. And, uh, and you know, an expert on the internet told me it's not good for me, so I just don't do that. What? <laughs> you can read the book all you want to, but if you don't make a personal commitment to its truth and application of its principles to your life, guess what? No matter how many times you read it, it will never change your life. And it's the same way with the Word of God. If we are a people that, that just allow adversity to come in and just root us up so quickly because of persecution, we are just in that picture because if we're pursuing God and all it is is about a feeling or a blessing and not lordship, we will wither every time. We've got to recognize that. We need those roots to go deep. There's a third soil, verse 18. Still others like seeds sown among thorns. Hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And truthfully, this is where most of us find ourselves. In fact, all of us find ourselves here from time to time. It's so easy to get here. We hear the word of God. Fruit is showing up. The root is there. We're excited about God and his church. We're ready to witness and give, but it's almost like the soil is too fertile. And now all these weeds are growing up around us and they begin to choke out the food because we have desire, but no discernment. We, we desire God, but no discernment to let go of some things. We desire what God's blessings are, but we don't have the discernment to say, that's not good for me anymore. That can't be in my life. And recognize the things that are choking out the word of God, going so far that the, the parable actually points them out. He says, number one is the worries of this life, where, where relationships become more important than obedience to God, where career becomes more important, or giftedness, or, or even the American dream, which is just it's all about you, supersedes the kingdom dream. And the Bible says no one can serve two masters. So this place is a very divided place. It's like, I want to do what God's word says, but man, I'm worried about this over here. I'm, I'm drawn back and forth. We're not rooted. We're just divided. And because of that, the, the seed doesn't bear fruit. He says the second thing is the deceitfulness of wealth. He doesn't say wealth, the deceitfulness of wealth, where the, the heart wants more, 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 where we move from needs to wants to lust, and now we're just pursuing the things of this world, the better thing than the kingdom of God. And he said the desire is for other things. Guys, we are so privileged. My goodness, we are privileged. I, I, I call it the American problem, you know, and that is where hobbies and passions and freedoms and, and, and everything else gets in the way of the kingdom of God. And, you know, though we love God and there's a genuine love for him, it, it gets crowded out by our passions because something else or someone else is always more important than him. That's what this soil is. And the lesson is simply this, God's work in our life has to be our first priority, our first priority. So if we all kind of get into this sometimes, how do we recognize it? Because again, I've been, I've been there, I've done that, I've come out of it, gone back into it again. It's, it's a very common place for believers to be, and it's not a good place. So how do we recognize in our lives? Let me just give a little analysis real quick, and then we're going to finish up on that final soul, and that is this. We recognize when we're living in that third soil sometimes this way, and that is we we, we come and we get into the places or the routines that God has rooted us in, and, and before long we start recognizing that, that we're just going through those places or those routines, and there's no fruit being born. We come to church, we sing the happy songs, uh, but when the feeling is gone, by the time you get to the parking lot and you wonder, why in the world did I just do this? You may even serve, but you're just checking the box. 
and not even doing it well. You show up late, you're unprepared, you don't recognize the opportunity to grow, and, and all of a sudden you're just, again, going through that motion. You're, you're saying, I want God, I want to grow in Him, but I'm not doing the things. I'm not plucking the weeds out so that my roots can go deep. You see, God must be the priority that guides our success, our education, our career, our family, our service. I put it this way. He can't be a priority. He has to be the priority. He has to be first. God is a jealous God. He will not be second on your list. And when he gives us pathways to walk in, he doesn't say, oh, but you got freedom to make your own pathways. No, there are clear pathways, according to God's word, that root us so that we may grow up in him and be in that last soil, verse 20, where others like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be, right? Just that multiplying effect, that, that amazing thing that you just look at and go, I didn't do that. Only God could do that. It's that place where fruit is evident and abundant. It's like, it's like spiritual miracle grow. I mean, it's like growth on steroids. It just, it's working not because of you, but because of choices you made. It's not because of you, but because of choices you made. It's so important that we recognize the choices that we make have such an impact on whether we are rooted in God's word or not. We've got to recognize this, and this is the lesson soil number four, and that is that God's work in our life is an ongoing series of choices. Guys, destiny is not a mystery. It's not a mystery at all. (laughs) Destiny is a daily habit. It is doing the things God has shown you to do. If you show me your habits, I'll show you your future. Because again, he lays it out in his word. This is how you're rooted. You spend time in prayer. You spend time in God's word. You spend time around God's people. You worship, you serve. All these things are are part of that rooting process. But when we get out of those habits, all we do is drift. There's a lot of people drifting right now. There's a lot of conversations going on that need to come back to be centered on the Bible. Not someone else's opinion or someone else's experience. But God, where have you planted me? God, what are the processes? What are the habits, God? You see, it goes beyond praying for God to use you. It goes beyond showing up and serving once a month. It's a daily choice of saying to God, God, everything is yours. God, everything is yours. My wants, my desires, my gifts, my aspirations. God, my position. God, everything is yours. God, I surrender to you, God. And I surrender to your word, even when your word contradicts what everybody else says is right. I choose your word. So four things, just real fast. How do we do this? How do we get into that last place? It all begins with we got to hear God's word. We've got to hear God's word. Listen, I can't go home with you. <laughs> Some of you are like, praise God. I can't go home with you. But if you're doing one seed a week, and if you're doing it once a month like many people, guess what? There's not much fruit growing on in your life. People ask, Pastor, why do you use so much scripture? Because I just know the statistics. A lot of people don't ever read the Bible. If I got you for this much time, I'm going to give you as much, fruit, as much seed as I can. But we've provided things for you. There's Right Now Media. There's version, devotionals, community groups. This Bible engagement project is rich. I'm telling you, get into this. Why? Because we've got to hear the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Not, there's no other way. Faith doesn't come by experience. or It comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Here's the second thing we've got to do, and that is we've got to accept God's Word. Hear the word and accept it. It is God's word, even if you don't like what his word says. 
So you read the word with this heart that says, yes, God. You read the word when he says, love your enemies, and you say, yes, God. You read the word that says the sexuality matters and, and how we steward that matters, and we say, yes, God. You read the word when it says we are to forgive, and we say, yes, God. We read the word when it says we are to commit to one another and honor preferring one another. We say, yes, God. When he calls us to, to any part of our lives and the, and the word of God makes us cringe a little bit, can I tell you, that's where you need to root in a little deeper and say, okay, God, help me to, to walk in that. Because honestly, I, most of you are like me. I'd like a one-page Bible. If I, if I had my druthers, I'd have a one-page Bible. It would say, love God, be good to the people that like me, and I'll see you in heaven. One-page Bible. God says, not so fast, my friend, because it's not about that. It's about engaging in that commitment where fruit is born. Thirdly, that is this. We've got to obey God's word, similar to accepting it. But basically, it's this. We've got to hear it. We've got to water it. When it tells us to weed something out, we need to do that. We need to take action. And finally, the fourth thing is this, and that is we need to talk about God's word. Church, can I tell you, one of the things that got uprooted in the last couple of years is community. Whatever that looks like, whether it's a phone call with a friend where you just do a devotion together, whether it's getting at a coffee shop and, and spending time together, we're hoping to bring back community groups this year as things are beginning to hopefully open up for us. But can I tell you, we've got to recognize that part of being rooted is being part of the body of Christ and a local body of Christ. For some, that's online right now. I understand. Circumstances dictate that. But others, it's a choice, and you've just disengaged. Can I tell you, it's a dangerous place to be. And I'm telling you as your pastor on this January 2nd, 2021, why don't you reassess that? Why don't you realign? And why don't you recognize that God never called you to do this walk alone? I need others in my life. I need, I need, I need Larry's in my life. I need Fox in my life. I need Mel in my life. I need, I need everyone in my life to talk about God's word, to challenge me in God's word to help me understand God's word and help me to apply it in every part of my life. I was been alone the last week. Denise has been in Tennessee, and I don't do good alone. Anybody join my club? Me and the dog, it's not that great. I already am footballed out. You know, what can I say? I can't cook that well, so it's pretty bad. <laughs> so I spend a lot of time on my tablet, you know, like you do, like doom scrolling, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, I don't know if yours does this, but Apple Pictures always has this thing where it creates these memories for you. So remember where you were in 2003, and I'm like, I had hair back then. That was awesome. <laughs> but there was a picture came up, and it reminded me of this story, and that was years ago when I was doing seminary work. I was doing it in Los Angeles, and uh, my wife and I, we decided to fly into San Francisco and to uh, rent a convertible and drive down Highway 1. Highly recommend that. But before we did that, we went over the Golden Gate Bridge out to where the sequoias were growing. And I would always, as a kid, my grandpa always had this picture of him driving a car through the sequoias. And, and, and I was fascinated by them. And I it took me back to a, a story they told when we were in that place. And that was the sequoias in California. These are trees that can grow up to over 300 feet tall. I mean, they are massive. If you ever, I hope you get to see them on this earth someday. But strangely, these giants <laughs> have unusually shallow root systems. They, they don't go as deep as you would expect for that big of a tree. But the unique thing about them is this. You never find them sitting out by themselves. They always grow in clusters. Because below the soil, we can't see it. 
But the way God designed them is their roots all get intertwined. They all tangle together. They all form this mess. So when the wind blows, when things get rough, when things are hard, they don't fall down. They may not be able to speak it like we can, but they say, I've got your back, my brother. I've got your hand, my sister. We're going to stand together. Can I tell you, church, that picture is what God does in the body of Christ. Your, your roots may be deeper than mine. Some of them may be shallow. But if we intertwine together, can I tell you, there's a strength the world cannot recreate. Because when the body of Christ works together, fruit is born, life changes, and we grow. But you can't grow up unless your roots go down.